Now the fun begins. Welcome back to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and of course PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, and review us. Everything I tell you every week, wherever we're at, and if we're not in a place that you want to listen to us, your favorite one. Let me know. I'll get us on there. I don't really give a shit where we end up going. It's it's fine. Just we're fucking out in the wind, Mike. I don't fucking care, you know, um, and follow us on Twitter at GPGC podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like and our dope giveaways. I mean, unless it's like some like neo-Nazi propaganda site or something like that, I, I wouldn't like to be associated with that personally. And neither would you, I'm sure. But, you know, fuck it. <laughs> Uh, anyways, though, as always, I'm your host, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelist on most internet platforms. Joining me as always, my partner in crime, Mike Peapack. Mike, what's good? What's going on? And what have you been playing, my friend? Yeah, um, not much has, uh, you know, been going on for me. I've just been kind of on the real life grind. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for me, um, as far as games are concerned, I haven't been playing a whole lot um of stuff new been playing some rogue spear at night which is you know tom clancy game from 1999 um well actually i guess it's probably from 2000 but um yeah i mean just been playing that in the evenings with a group of guys have about 16 people that come and go each night which is actually kind of big considering how old the game is Uh and the fact that there's no developer support anymore at this point in time pretty much just people with uh, some of the source code you're adjusting things and and nobody going too crazy with with editing it but just making sure it runs on voobly mm-hmm. um so yeah just been playing a lot of that got back into playing a little bit of halo 3 since microsoft uh 2v2 the uh doubles mlg playlist has been live um been enjoying some of that uh and then also outside of that um just recently today actually reinstalled apex and just played a little bit of control on it and just having some fun mm-hmm. playing that game mode, which is different than the BR. Uh, but just been enjoying that, but really haven't been playing too much, too much in the way of new games currently. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking for that to change very, very soon. Right, right. Oh, oh actually, um, sorry, I did give the long dark a shot. Hell yeah, she did. And uh, I've been enjoying that game. Um, something about... I've only gotten to like the first, I mean, spoiler alert, um, there's a town that you end up going to, Mm -hmm. which is all the extent of spoilers you're going to get. And that's all the further I really got. So I just kind of got the game mechanics down and I got, I talked to the first person in the town you speak to. Mm -hmm. Um, And in general, um, you know, I was pretty, pretty happy to play the game and pretty happy to get some of the mechanics down i thought it was super interesting to take survivor i guess a survival game to the next level Mm -hmm. by introducing these different uh mechanics and i will say 
in a real life situation, it would definitely be hard to do, but you'd have to do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. But the beginning part, it's teaching you how to, you know, forage for food and you have to hit rabbits with a rock to mm-hmm. stun them and catch them. And then unfortunately dispatch the, the, the rabbit before eating it to survive because hunger is a part of the game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I hate, I mean, I, I just, I just, that was probably, probably the part I didn't like at all. <laughs> um, you know, the way they did the animation, and everything almost makes you want to be a uh, vegetarian because the rabbit will like look at you before you, you know, dispatch the rabbit. And it's, it's kind of, well, hey there, mister. It's nice yeah, to see you. And it has this cute little squeak before you dispatch of it. And it's like, oh, man, this sucks. But yeah, I mean, I I think it's super interesting. I think they did a really good job at focusing between, so far at least, storytelling and some crazy um, mechanics in the game and the engine mm-hmm. that are super hardcore, but the storytelling will sometimes disconnect you from how hard the game is. And I'm playing on hard difficulty. Naturally. Um, like an alpha chat, like an alpha chat. Yeah. We like, know beta uh, virgins, you know, literally. literally. So for me, that's what I've been, that's what I've been up to. Just kind of grinding and doing that. And uh, yeah, um, not much else has been going on in my gaming career, mm-hmm. but I'm sure, you know, you're usually good for the, the show and what kind of variety you bring into, you bring into the life. Well, uh, You'd be, you know, normally I'd agree with you. Normally it's like, yeah, you know, I'm, you're the one who plays the the tried and true, and you've always been the, you know, not, I don't want to say more with less, but like, you you find a wheelhouse to the games you stick in, and you grind the fuck out of those. Like, like you're very much, there's a wheelhouse for your gaming, and you're in it, and you're very good at it. And like, you stick in that, like, and you play other stuff, but you get what I mean. You find a, yeah. a certain <clears throat> sect of gaming, and you kind of stick in it. I kind of poke around in different areas all the fucking time, but shocker, um, you know, instead of, you know, when I look at the stack of games that I still have to get through, like there's games that I'm looking at right now on my shelf and like just even into like my digital backlog and stuff like that, that I'm like, yeah, I need to get around to doing that. I need to get around to playing this, yada, yada. Like I've been wanting to actually go back and play Assassin's Creed Valhalla because as much as I love the newer Assassin's Creed games, I fuck it, and as much as I love Norse mythology, like, I was really excited for it. Didn't click with me at first, but I want to get, go back and play that. Um, just, like, looking at all the shit that I do want to play and probably should be playing now for, you know, just coverage on the show and whatnot. Um, would it shock you, Mike, that I booted up The Witcher 3 again and just started a new save yet again? No, I, mean, I, for one, I'm not surprised about it. <laughs> well, I, well, I, for one, was not clearly expecting that, obviously. Um... But no, it's and I've talked about it before. That game's just a fucking everlasting gobstopper for me that it's almost like it's almost like Adam with Fallout New Vegas in a way that I could just boot it up, probably find something different each time I go through it and play. Even though the game is linear with the character that you play as, it's so very open in how you approach each situation that each playthrough will naturally feel different each time you go through and play it even if it's the same Geralt that you play with him as a character changes each time I play it. Um, and very much in a way of, you know, not from a sense of like, Oh, I, I went and did the bad storyline or, or bad. Uh, uh, what's the 
fuck, what's it called? What do you want to call it? The morality system. Like, you know, I, I was, I went on the bad path or this or that. I, I've been wanting to do more of a gray area playthrough where, you know, sometimes I'll just be like, yeah, fuck you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking, yeah, you're not paying me enough. I, to do this contract, I need double or whatever. Um, and I, and then at times I'm also like, yeah, no, you know, you've been through enough. Don't pay me. Don't worry about it. But more that I feel like is in line with the lore of the, that universe. So I've been, I don't know what made me kind of think of it again, yet again, being like, you know what? I'm ready for yet another, like, I'm ready for another playthrough. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm itching for it. So naturally I booted up and, you know, I'm right back into it. And uh, granted, only a couple nights I've been playing through it. And I've been taking my time doing a bunch of side quests. I've been grinding more fucking, uh, fucking, uh, Gwent than usual. So I've been trying to like get better at playing Gwent. Um, so, and I'm sure too, obviously, with the announcement of the next Witcher game being in development now, that also fucking, you know, probably put that in my mind space of like, fuck, I should go back and play that. <laughs> um, but yeah, in general, going back to doing that, um, it's been fun, been great. Um, and I'm really enjoying, obviously, playing through that yet again. Um, Molly and I are working our way still through L.A. Noir. Um, we are not at the part that made us quit yet whenever uh you adam and i played through it um so it's coming though i i already it's right there i could see it coming and molly's even like i don't know how why you guys didn't like this game and i'm like oh, just wait <laughs> just you wait don't worry um so we've been kind of plugging through that a little bit and here and there um and then on top of that too i mean just destiny and um you know kind of picking around things and and obviously last weekend we all played uh tabletop sim and risk which was fun which i would like to try to do again this weekend at some point um but that obviously was really fun to do but um and then Elden ring too just kind of still poking around in there granted very much have fell off more than um you know obviously from when i first started up but it's i see that game still and i've said it before it's one of those games that you know in my mind i'm like oh man i'm ready to get to the end i'm ready to see the end of this but it's one of those games that I I don't want to say, oh, I'd feel a disservice doing it to, but more or less, like, the character and the adventure that I have, I'd be shorting out a lot on it. And, like, there's been a couple of guys that I know, whether content creators or what, that are huge uh, FromSoft fans and uh, Soulsborne fans that are just now, like, starting to finish it. And they're like, oh, yeah, I had a 150-hour playthrough. Like, because I just wanted to soak it in, and obviously some bosses took a while and things like that, but I didn't want it to end. And I was like, that was one of the big things that about our review that I think we all kind of agreed on was it's that idea of this game is very much about more of the the journey, not necessarily the end and the destination. So, you know, I'm... I'm slowly, I think I've come to the realization that I'm not going to beat that game for a while, but in a good way that when I'm ready to open the next chapter of my adventure, not to be too metaphorical, but like when I, I do go to jump back into that world, it gives me something exciting to do. Not from the sense of like, oh, I'm burnt out or oh, I want to, it's just a dense game. But at the same time too, there's, I feel good about walking away from it now knowing that there are still vast portions of that world that I've yet to be even scratch it's just it's mind-blowing how much content's in there and you know i'm just super excited to eventually get back into it i mean and i'm sure that'll be relatively soon that i jump back into it and finish it up but there's also 
10 other things that I want to play too. So, uh, and naturally, like I said, the goddamn Witcher 3 has to come along and yet again, Geralt has to just fucking derail all of the shit that I do in my life. You know, oh, fuck. Sure, I'll give another 50 hours to a quick playthrough there. You know, yeah, no problem. You know, so. Anywho, Mike, that's all we've been playing. Let's jump in to the news this week. And, you know, we don't really have to. I, th- I don't think this is going to shock anyone. I really don't. I don't think it will shock anybody who's listening to this, who has read this already. Um, but E3 has been officially canceled. Um, and we're not just talking the physical E3 because we obviously knew that wasn't going to happen. We'd be hearing much more about that now uh, already. But the digital version of E3 um, has been canceled as well. Uh, so this write-up comes from Rebecca Valentine over at uh, IGN. As always, link in the description Go give her a click. She does fucking incredible work over at IGN uh, and make sure you check out all of her work there, but make sure you give her a click and uh, go into it and check it out. After previously canceling its in-person event or in-person E3 2022 event, the ESA has now informed its partners that there will be no digital event equivalent this year either, meaning that E3 2022 has been fully canceled. The news broke via a tweet from Razor PR lead Will Powers, who said that an email has been sent out announcing the cancellation or cancellation of a digital E3 event. IGN has independently verified the contents of this email as well. The ESA has initially had initially planned for an in-person E3 event this year after having no event in 2020 due to COVID-19 and one digital a digital one in 2021. However, this was canceled in January with the ESA at the un, uh, at the time unable to make a public statement on whether or not there would be a digital equivalent. Uh, according to sources speaking to IGN at the time, discussions around E3 had been fraught throughout the year with third party parties normally involved finding the ESA's ongoing silence regarding their plans frustrating. Sources connected to the event tells IGN that discussions about a possible digital equivalent had been uh, have been ongoing ever since, but without strong momentum to drive them. Instead, the ESA seems to be making plans to regroup for a larger comeback in 2023. They also said that last year. Um, the, an update to the article, though. The ESA has shared an official statement with IGN confirming E3 2022's cancel- cancellation and announcing that E3 will return in 2023 with a reinvigorized showcase. Quote, we will devote all of our energy and resources to delivering a revitalized physical and digital E3 experience next summer. Whether enjoyed from the show floor or your favorite devices, the 2023 showcase will bring the community, media, and industry back together in an all-new format and interactive experiences. We look forward to presenting E3 to fans around the world live from Los Angeles in 2023. The ESA uh, adds that the 2022 showcase has been canceled so the organization can, quote, focus its resources on the 2023 show. So, as somebody who works in their full-time big boy job, works in and around, has vast elements within my job around event management, and event planning and, you know, all that kinds of stuff, logistical facility work, yada, yada. The fact, the biggest red flag alone already, you read this and, you know, uh, when they canceled the, the in-person one in, in January and you don't hear anything about a follow-up, six months is not that long of a time. Um, as somebody who's done worked in, been in the planning process of major events, big events. Um, we're planning stuff like over a year out 
uh, or, you know, a year is probably about the average whenever it comes to larger scale events that you're looking and planning out towards just from the actual hands-on planning perspective. When you're talking actual like, hey, logistically, like, you know, we're going to plan this stuff out in terms of reservations and, you know, building events around a certain location and hotels and all like all the back end stuff of that. I mean, there's a reason why the Super Bowl, the uh, college football national championship, the NCAA championships, all of those kind of events are booked years in advance, years in advance. The Olympics, years in advance, because there's so much that goes around to building up to them. And obviously, E3 isn't necessarily that. But for a very long time, it was, quote unquote, the Super Bowl of our industry. Um, It was the WrestleMania. It was the World Series of our industry kind of thing. Like, it was the crux of what the gaming world kind of that year's narrative really started around. Um you know, leading into the fall when all the games would come out and whatnot, but we're usually hearing about a lot of big titles and, you know, kind of just like I said, the narrative of the year really starts, in my opinion, with E3. Um, so it's it's really interesting that, not that people are shocked by this, Mike, but more so the fact that this wasn't something that was pushed earlier on in terms of like, Hey, this is, you know, hey, we're, we haven't heard anything in February. What's going on? Hey, we haven't heard anything. If I would, me personally, if I would have heard something that, hey, we don't have an answer in January, it's canceled. Like it is, it's canceled. Um, And I would want them to say just then it's canceled. Um, We're tooling for next year. Because um, that makes sense. If they're trying to fully change what the concept of E3 is, you know, 18 months is probably what they would need to, to actually do that and fully figure out what the fuck they want to do with it. Um, so we've talked about this, obviously, a multitude of times before, Mike, but where do you stand, I guess, right now on one, obviously, the whole situation involving E3, what the fuck's going on with that? And, you know, what does it mean to what's going on in the gaming world? But even more so, like, what does that say for where not only us, but the gaming world on the consumer side is to one, getting their information on games, how they want to consume, you know, this, which really they're just, all it is is a big PR and marketing expo. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all, all it is is commercials, but how we as consumers want to, and fans want to get that information. Um, and really, I guess what this really means for the rest of the year, when we kind of look at hey. You know, how the fuck are we finding out about all this stuff? Is this obviously is, um, you know, Summer Games Fest with Jeff Keighley going to take an even bigger role? Like, you know, is G4 now that they're back and up and rolling? Are they going to play into it? Like, what's what's your kind of mindset on this now? Yet again, another year later, you know, really, I don't want to say another year without E3, but as somebody who, quote unquote, attended E3 last year. uh, really, I mean, compared to what it usually is. It was definitely different, to say the least. Yeah, I think, you know, to speak about this properly, I would have to say, first and foremost, obviously, this was a staple of gaming culture, which is kind of what you alluded to. But to push it further, this is kind of where a lot of what was coming out in future months or a year in that case 
would be, you know, really brought to light. You know, we would hear rumblings like, oh, we hear 343 might be making Halo 2 anniversary. Mm -hmm. And it was just like a rumor for a while. And then all of a sudden at E3, boom, we got that information. Mm -hmm. Um, Whenever Halo Reach was being flighted on PC, you could play it at E3 before it was even, you know, really being. I mean, it was discussed that it was happening, but, you know, that was something that, you know, kind of took on a life of its own thanks to E3. For a long time, since we've been kids, you know, any of the games that were starting to come out, not only would they be in Game Informer, Informer but what is normally on Game Informer, um, thanks to E3, like E3 would would bring it out. And then after that, we would hear about it, you know, in Game Informer. Mm -hmm. So for us to kind of take a turn kind of away from E3, definitely a shock, um, especially to someone like me who definitely look forward to that E3 every year just to kind of get a lay of the land of what's going on. Mm -hmm. But something we've talked about at length on this show is how a lot of the studios and a lot of the game development companies have been taking matters into their own hands with announcements, mm -hmm. whether it be EA play, the Sony, you know, play on um, Nintendo direct uh, even Xbox has thrown their hat into the ring. They were one of the last ones to really turn their back, not turn their back on E3, mm -hmm. but want to go in their own direction on top of having E3. Mm -hmm. So, with all that being said and all that being considered, the writing was kind of on the wall for us. We talked about this last year and when we talked about it at the beginning of the year in January when or whenever they first announced that they were going to be at least at minimum postponing three E E3, right? Mm -hmm. We talked about like, is it ever going to come back? And, you know, you were i think we were both pretty positive saying that e3 was such a staple it was hard to imagine a world in which it wouldn't exist right in like we some were... in some capacity like right and i think we really did see that last year of like hey we're hanging on to the thread in just the namesake of e3 to say e3 is a thing um yeah like and what it what it meant right exactly and you know going forward i think we were probably foolishly optimistic about it because the writing was certainly on the wall and we both conceded the point of if all these companies are doing it on their own what the hell is the point of bothering with doing it at e3 and we both agreed and kind of we're holding on to the nostalgia is like oh well you know people will probably still want to go to e3 mm -hmm. or still want to do e3 just because of everything but if there's one thing that we should learn with you know, it's not even just COVID-19. Like, let's be honest, COVID-19 put a lot of things on the fast track to being mm -hmm. non-existent. E3, clearly one of those things. You know, E3 is going to be, exist no more. It was probably going to stop, like, cease its existence. Mm -hmm. But COVID-19, like a lot of other things kick that into overdrive. Like now all of a sudden it's just gone. It probably by 2025, it probably would have been gone without COVID 2026, but now it's gone already because of 
COVID-19 did it no favors. Mm -hmm. It kind of made everyone start to think of everything outside the box. Another thing, the downtown skyscrapers, I know a lot of companies are going back to work, but the more jobs that are going remote, they, you know, companies are starting to see their employees productivity go up. The skyscrapers in downtown cities, like especially smaller cities, like I just don't like I just don't see how they're going to fill those. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, and this is a little inside baseball IRL stuff. But like, I mean, my father in law who works for a healthcare or a health insurance agency, whatever you want to call a healthcare provider, actually, I guess. But on the insurance side of it uh, with IT and whatnot, they're uh, they're building their, you know, major building is in downtown Pittsburgh. And it's he's been working at home now. He went from somebody who was always downtown, always, you know, there to now just not he's like we moved out of that bill we moved our at least our department out and moved multiple departments out and technically we have office space in you know on the um on the uh not the south side but the well technically yeah kind of over by um or no i uh, no i take it back uh, this is me forgetting over on the north shore i mean so they have technical office space for them, but the majority of that building, like they're filtering out. And he's like, why would they pay for that whenever they're having a lot of people work at home? Because like you're saying, they're finding the productivity. They're finding, you know, hey, it's cheaper for us to just let these fucking people work from home. Like, you know, kind of thing. Like we don't need the overhead of the rent for this building. Like, you know, I totally agree. Just a side note. You're totally right on that. Yeah, and like with my with my realm um, of of tech work, a lot of people have been working from home before COVID. Mm -hmm. Once COVID came, that really kicked it into overdrive. And now my boss had just had a conversation. He said, "You know, we're going to try to do some team building stuff for people that live close to each other to try to have some type of cohesion because mm -hmm. it is really weird when you work remotely." And I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but like he said, you know, what would what could we do? You know, he said, oh, well, the technical director was talking about maybe flying everyone to Austin, Texas to have like a team building event where you get to meet some of the higher ups and get to meet each other. Yeah. And now that's something that will probably in the long run is going to be way cheaper than owning building space anywhere. Mm -hmm. They're having buildings. Everything's moving to Austin, Texas. That's the thing that really dawned on me was why wasn't E3 moved to Texas? Because. Austin has turned into L.A. Um, without all the homeless people and, yeah. and all that stuff. Um, there's no income tax in the state of Texas. That's another real big draw to Austin and why people are moving there. And it's a huge tech hub. Apple built a huge campus there to kind of move away from Cupertino, California. Mm -hmm. I'm sure once some of the older guard dies off and gets out of there, they'll move everything to Austin because they don't want to pay the taxes in California, mm -hmm. which is the same thing E3 should have done. E3 should have just moved out of California, because there's no, you know, state income tax in in Texas. And that's kind of where everything's moving to Austin, Texas. That's the hub for pretty much everything. That's where Bethesda has a second company outside of the one that's right up the road for me. Yeah. Um, box. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that have moved there. And that's where uh, I start it, to see fucking id tech or uh, right. Yeah. id in general. I don't know if tech, but <laughs> I'm bringing all of this back to make the point of things aren't the same. And unfortunately, you know, different generations of people have to live through different life events. 
when you look back and you point and you put your th- finger on it and say, that's when everything changed. Mm-hmm. 9-11 was one of those points, and we lived through that. And now COVID-19, just like the Spanish influenza back in 1919, is one of those things that everyone in there will be history books and there will be history studies done on COVID-19 for the rest of time, just like people study the Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting being from Westmoreland County in Pennsylvania because I was still in college during 2019 whenever we were celebrating, quote unquote, 100 years since the Spanish flu. Yeah. And, you know, my college at St. Vincent College, you would look at the yearbook from from 1918 to 1919 when they still did yearbooks. Mm-hmm. And there was just hundreds of people that didn't exist anymore. Like they were like it was like a, th- a Thanos snap. Yeah. Like that many people died. And we at that point in time talked like this would never happen again. And then shortly thereafter, we started hearing about COVID in China. And here we are, you know, it happened again, almost 100 years apart, which is almost comical Mm -hmm. because a lot of people disregard history. Side note to that. Do you remember uh, at least when it was going around of and it was actually confirmed a legitimate thing? The lady who like predicted that there would be a fucking pandemic in 2020. I didn't. I oh, didn't. Okay. Yeah, there was some lady in a book from like 2010 who wrote that. It was like, yeah, in early uh, the first half of 2020, uh, the world will be hit with a pandemic. <laughs> like, it's, uh, it's crazy. <laughs> Come it's <again>? crazy. <laughs> Where the fuck wish... is this lady right now? <laughs> like, we yeah. need to take her in for questioning. Uh, I I feel that in, you know, how crazy things can be like that. Mm-hmm. But again, this is why people should really do their i'm not saying you have to be some type of history buff that spouts out years and dates for everything Mm -hmm. but it's at the same time it it has gone to prove time and time again that yeah time's a cycle and things seem to happen over and over again Mm -hmm. and e3 being officially canceled digital and physical is it's pretty crazy but i'm hoping what this means is if it's dead forever, it's dead forever, and that's going to be a total shame. But I hope they use this time to revamp and come back in Austin, Texas in 2023. Me and you can go cover it as media. And, you know, it'll be in Austin, Texas that is an up-and-coming city. A lot of people in Texas, like my cousins that live in Texas that don't live in Austin, hate Austin, Texas because it is L.A. light. Mm-hmm. But... It's it's the way everything goes, man. Things are coming and going. And COVID-19 has shown us that even the biggest staples that we thought were like impenetrable as kids, they're starting to topple businesses and companies and everything kind of. Again, these are all things that were dying Mm -hmm. and going away. And instead of us getting to hold on for a little bit longer, COVID-19 was kind of gave it the old yeller treatment and took it out back i hope e3 bounces back Mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem like you know that's going to be the case this opens the door to all the companies having their own showcases which is which way we thought it was going anyway it's it's obvious that that's where it's going Mm -hmm. and we had this discussion in january why the hell would anyone bother with having with showing up at e3 when you have to pay people to go it's in la it's a fucking nightmare for a lot of people to get there it's a fucking nightmare to set up the security is a fuck it, it's all just such a nightmare because it's, it's los angeles off. <laughs> it's just such a disaster because flying in la is a bitch traffic in la is a bitch the homeless problem in la is a bitch the security the theft all that stuff's a problem in la be it, it's just a problem um 
I'm hoping they use this this time to rebrand and go forward. Um, but again, it, it might be one of those things that because of COVID-19, it died a lot sooner than it should have, and it might never come back. Yeah, and uh, before I we kind of continue on that thought, just to kind of put it out there on Austin, I had to look it up because it was one of those things that's like, I know more than I'm thinking of, and uh, sure, shit, I did, but just running through some of the... and. We're talking about there's like, I think like 63 or no, like 70 something, uh, quote unquote, I don't want to say major, but like actual development studios. But like, let's name some of the let's run through some of the names here in Austin alone already, Um, because they've started to stack up Um, Arcane Studios, Austin uh, studio that handled uh, fucking uh death loop dishonored i believe well no i think the death loop the main team was the one out of france who did the dishonor uh there i that's right arcane uh austin is the one that did prey so one of arcane's you know major uh studios bethesda bgs uh austin uh who handled uh the doom series like obviously it's built into that i would think at this point um, cause I don't think they have them separate on, no, they don't. So they're building that into it. Yeah. Cause they have doom listed under here as well. Uh, and fallout 76, uh, Bioware Austin who handles star Wars, the old Republic, at least that one, uh, blizzards, Austin, uh, studio that handles obviously some stuff for, uh, Warcraft or world of Warcraft. And I uh, also does some Starcraft stuff, uh, blue point games, who was just recently acquired by, uh, by Sony, who handled their Shadow of the Colossus remake, and then most recently, their uh, Demon Souls remake. Um, Boss Fight Entertainment's out there. Uh, Certain Affinity, who handled uh, the Halo 1 remaster and does a lot, is really kind of starting to become a major support studio for, um, for Halo in general, with a lot of their side projects and whatnot, and even some support on their main ones. Um, EA has two studios, other one... Uh, uh, they have one uh, uh, PC one that does like a lot of more, I think, like freeware games. But uh, there's also EA Sports Austin out there um, that kind of, I think, handles more of the business end of it. But still, um, what else? There was a couple more here that I know I saw. Uh, Panic Button, who handled the switch ports of Doom and Warframe. Uh, and I believe, I believe uh, Wolfenstein. Uh, the new Colossus, I believe so. Um, and then I thought there was one more. Um, Unity, that's right. Unity is kind of built out there. That that's their major hub right now, if I remember correctly, for their engine to work out of. Like that, they're doing a lot of their development from is out in Austin. Um, so you're not wrong in saying that. Oh shit, Retro Studios too. Uh, the uh, Nintendo Studio that's pretty much home now to handling. Uh, Metroid in general, and then also, uh, and specifically, uh, Retro is going to be handling Metroid Prime 4. So that's coming. And then uh, Donkey Kong Country. So, like, you bringing that up is actually a really interesting idea. And why I say idea is because we brought it up before that, and I think I remember saying this on a show that I very much saw E3 in general when it finally does come back, uh, when we finally see. E3 make its quote-unquote return and you know because I still do think I don't think this is the end of E3 I don't I and I say this every time and somehow they still come back and they do something but I I truly don't believe this is the end of E3 I think this I think this is the right response I think this is no they should have done this a while ago they should have done this 
right off the bat. They shouldn't. They probably should have done this if you asked me last year. That should have been a no-brainer. But they need this year off to retool this. But you need to be upfront of it. Boom, we're done. We're not doing it this year. Yada yada. We're going in, and then you shut the fuck up, go in your hole, and you fucking get to work. Like that's just head down, get to work on planning what this could be. And one of the things I always brought up beforehand is I could really see this going a PAX route, um, the Penny Arcade Expo that uh, you see so many times that is, you know, more of a fan event. Um, yes, they'll have, you know, uh, representation there from, you know, I know Gearbox loves to go there. Um, I'm sure Microsoft, Sony's there at times. Um, Nintendo, a lot of indies. Like, it's it's a great it's more of a hands-on experience for fans and what we kind of saw E3 kind of moving towards a little bit with their fan days that you were able to go there and being open to the public. What I think would be more interesting and you bring up Austin makes me think about this. I would love to see E3 and they're not going to do this obviously in 2023 because they're already committing to LA and who knows that could always change. But if you ask me, um, we're talking about, you know, I would like to realistically, you're talking, you know, 14 months out, but realistically, you're talking a year out. Like, that's how mine mind works as somebody who does, you know, event planning and event management and whatnot. Like, you're talking a year out. So a year out from now, you're not changing an event or a venue or anything like that. You're you're locked in. There's contracts signed, yada, yada. So if you ask me... I would love to see them kind of transform this into something like a South by Southwest where you have multiple things. And even like PAX, PAX does this too with PAX East, PAX West, PAX South. Like they have these events throughout the year that are kind of centered on, hey, we want to take this almost like festival atmosphere. And I think that would be really cool for something like E3 where you could have one like I, I think it would be perfect to have it one in um one in New York, like an E3 East, one in Austin, an E3 South. And then you could have the main one or whatever, kind of like I think it's PAX West is the one that's kind of the main one out of all of them. But kind of have your E3 West that is what it culminates in. You could have, you know, E3 East in New York City in February and then South in, you know, April or something like that. And then you get to, you know, West and you do something in June. And that could be your, you know, where you have, you know, studios kind of build around, hey, we're going to have our, you know, E3 conferences kind of built around there. And it doesn't have to be in person or anything like that from the conference standpoint, but more so, hey, we're going to build our showcases in general, our summer showcases that we show off the games we're having and this and that. We're going to build it around that week. So we can at least, you know, funnel it in that way. Because I think that time frame of that two week time frame at the beginning of June is still going to be the video game week. I think that I think that's just so natural that we have that week and then we have a lull until the fall gets here. And then we have that couple weeks in late, uh, late October to, you know, mid November, really to Black Friday. That is the, you know fall rush really that we're getting bombarded with the big titles of that year the big you know christmas selling type christmas bestseller titles um that you see usually so i i have a soft place in my heart just like you mike we say for e3 um 
when I got, I'll be quite honest, this is more inside baseball stuff. Like when I got the E3 confirmation for last year, even if it was online, even if it was whatever, you know, that we were approved to go to E3 and more so not from the sense of like, you know, I was open to it because I was like, hell, this is actually easier for me to, you know, like you kind of talked about, Mike, it's easier for me to go and book Zoom meetings and Skype calls, and, you know, not that anybody uses fucking Skype, but you get what I mean. I can book meetings with people that are so much easier for them to just either send me over a code or a stream or whatever that they want to show me and make my meetings and make my um, appointments to get, you know, to see these games and whatnot is so much easier than, you know, necessarily waiting in line or going around and, you know, booking and running across a show floor, though there's excitement to that. But getting that and getting that confirmation, like, hey, we're involved now and we have the foot in the door of like, hey, maybe when next year rolls around and it's in person, we're good to go. We're going, you know. And when I got that, you know, I was like, it was exciting. I thought about, you know, five-year-old me, six-year-old me, whenever it was that, or it would have been five-year-olds, I guess. Five-year-old me getting his N64 on Christmas morning. And like, those memories of just like, working hard to get to that because E3 meant so much to me and so many moments in my life, so many summers of us just going in Adam's basement or going over to my house or something like that. And, you know, once they started streaming the events, just getting around and watching the Xbox showcase or the PlayStation showcase, Sony or the Nintendo directs that started to come from it after they stopped doing, you know, in-person uh, conferences. Like there's just this, this magic that's around E3. And I think to a degree they've used that, you know, I think they've kind of benefited from that a lot um, from the fans standpoint. But, you know, obviously, like you said, with COVID, that very much escalated and timeframes were moved up quite a bit, um, to say the least, in terms of, you know, when we're expecting when we're expecting these things to kind of fade away or at least new iterations of them come along. But, you know, it's tough to see where e3 is now but at the same time like it just makes so much sense too and i i wish and i think eventually like you said we are going to see more and more and more companies especially within gaming you know not just you know obviously in entertainment in general and whatnot that so many companies now are starting to get out of california just given you know the state of our economy really right now and just the housing market in general like that alone already wants to once you you know would make people drive clear out, you know, wherever, anywhere, but there. Um, but you're going to start seeing, I think the games industry now become more open within their locations and broader in the sense of we're going to see more and more studios on the East coast. We're going to see more, not just the one-offs that we're, we kind of saw for a long time or kind of the behind the curtain. We're going to have, you know, it's going to be more common to see an insomniac in North Carolina that I can't remember where. Um, I think they're in Cary, North Carolina, I think. Oh, Durham, North Carolina. Um, so like basically right beside Cary. Right, exactly. So, yeah, where we're going to see more studios like that, more Bethesda's, we're going to see, you know, we're going to see maybe a home to a big studio in Atlanta or, you know, I'm not going to say Pittsburgh, but you never know, you know, something where one obviously depends on the state of the economy and all that too, that 
the cost of living is cheaper. The, you know, it's easier to sell people on coming here. And, you know, of course, California and New York are sexy, like, things to throw out. Like, oh, L, you know, working in L.A. and living in L.A. is a sexy idea. But at the same time, once you get there and people see one, the cost of living obviously is through the roof. But all the bullshit you have to deal with in terms of just getting to your job and doing your job, it's you know you see there's no wonder why so many people want to either exit the industry because of that or go remotely or want to find new opportunities that are hey i'm able to work remotely hey i'm able to do this remotely so um i definitely don't think you're wrong in any stretch of the imagination mike but hey i did i just did the research because i saw my paycheck for here in virginia mm -hmm. and it pissed me off <laughs> so i uh i did the research and here are I mean, it's it's topical. It's not a complete and total old man yells at cloud tangent. Man. <laughs> um states that have no income tax. Mm -hmm. Alaska, Florida, Nevada, South Dakota, Tennessee, Tejas, and Wyoming. Flat income tax, so that means everyone pays the same amount no matter what. Mm -hmm. Colorado, Illinois, Kentucky, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Utah, and Washington. So there are your states that people are generally moving to for a lot of reasons. But as far as Texas and Florida are concerned, if you want to know why all the content creators live in Florida and Texas, mm -hmm. there's your answer because yeah. they don't have to fucking pay income tax on that shit. Also, That's why all the content creators are moving out of L.A., uh, Austin, that's why a lot of the content creators are moving to Florida. Well, to be fair, then you have our boy, uh, uh, Moist Critical Penguin Zero, that uh, is also just from Florida and probably is just like, oh, fuck it, I don't feel like leaving. Like, <laughs> I don't feel like going anywhere. <laughs> well, he doesn't fly, so. True. That That is very true. So He that... drives everywhere. <laughs> Fucking psycho. I love Charlie, man. He's the best. He's so, he's so, it's almost cringe because, like, half the time he'll, like, he like has to have clean hands and like he was doing a burger review and had to use a fork. It's like, bro, come the fuck. I love him, man. He's the best. He just fucking kills me. But anyways, yeah. So I, it's just just given. And I think so much like you said too, Mike, like the state of the world is going to play into this so much more and is going to be so accelerant in everything that's going on. And, you know, from a, especially from a financial standpoint that is really going on in our world that, we're we're going to end up seeing a lot of these bigger changes and shifts, I think, naturally in general without much push. Um, you know, granted, E3 has been getting pushed a little bit more and more each year in general, even leading up to, you know, the, you know, pandemic and whatnot. But in general, I think we're going to see just naturally, hey, we're going to let's let's take our operation and we're going to do it out of like you said, Texas, we're going to do it out of Florida. We're going to do it out of wherever. Um, so it's, and especially too, you got to even think too, and this isn't even necessarily E3 standing, but like gaming in general with companies, when you think of how many contractors work within the gaming industry, like from that standpoint alone, like you think, I would think that's a primary reason of, and it's shitty obviously, because I would much rather have, you know, people have, full-time employment with benefits and whatnot and everything. But if we're going to see that, you know, those practices continue and trend in the right uh, trend in the direction that they are going in with that, you know, and more contract work be used, you know, if they're basing it out of 
you know, a Texas or a Florida or something like that, you know, there's less, you know, you know, hangover and, you know, headspace and overhead that they got to worry about. That's the word I was looking for, headspace or uh, overhead that they're got to worry about with that. And that's more a little bit more enticing for contract workers to go through, Um, especially too. you look at like this is kind of a little bit out there, but you look at there's a reason why um, the WWE does all of their uh, NXT operations, their performance center, all of that. And you see so many um, wrestling promotions come out of there because they're all independent contractors. They all have independent contracts through the WWE. And so many of them live out of Florida because there's no income tax because they know they could be fucked at any moment with their contract. It's not, they don't have the safety net that so many other professional athletes have and whatnot. But so they try to make the most of it, knowing that at any moment they get the fucking rug pulled out right from underneath them, uh, that they want to take the most money while they can and take that payday, obviously working for Vince McMahon kind of thing. So it's just really interesting to kind of think about where that's going. But in general, yeah, I I think I would like to see E3 trend in the direction of a PAX, of a South by Southwest, uh, whatever it is, SXSW, um, that it becomes more obviously more of a fan event and you leave the kind of back end things to I which I want them to do. And they kind of trended in that direction before they got shut down, uh, at least from the in-person standpoint that you have the event and you have some area for media where it's not, both aren't over overlapping at any point where media has three days to go and do whatever, or two days to go do whatever and fans have three days or whatever, you know, where there's no, there's no crossover between those two because that just hurts everything. Or if you want to see behind the, uh, behind closed doors, uh, you know, hands-on previews and things like that for, um, you know, f- from a media standpoint, and you want to do that remotely because that could be easily done as we've seen. Cool. Do that for the first day or two or whatever, and then have a fan event after that, that fans can come to that is like, you know, a, uh, like an, uh, inside X or I don't want to say inside Xbox, but like an XO event that Xbox puts on, or, you know, even like a PSX that was a PlayStation experience that Sony used to put on. Um, that is something like that. That's so much more fan oriented and hands on. I, I think that makes far too much sense because we have seen that people are ready to, to some degree more and more and more. And especially now with all the data that's starting to come out with vaccinations, uh, that support, Hey, this is all working. This is all, you know, Science is proving this stuff is working and, you know, we're seeing little by little so many less hospitalizations and things like that, that people are wanting to go back out and do things. We're not all starting to, I don't want to say we'll never get to the realm of normalcy ever again, I don't think, but like, or what we saw, but we're going to see more and more and more and more normalcy come back to the world in terms of events and going places and not, you know, that's just going to be second nature again. Uh, and I think we're just, we're almost right there for that. We're, we're right on the cusp of that. So it makes a lot of sense that people are going to want to do these fan events. People are going to want to pay to go and do these fan events. I think it just makes too much sense, but, um, Mike, before we wrap up the show, one thing I did want to bring up, this was just really interesting this week coming out that I kind of wanted to bring up and kind of end the show on just in a sense, because as always, obviously I'm a, I'm a destiny guy and we're both bungee guys from back in the day, but, Something going on right now with Bungie, and 
the whole uh, DMCA issue that so many people are having issues with, but Bungie lawsuit aims to unmask YouTube copyright claims abusers. So this comes from uh, John Fingus over on Engadget, uh, as always, link in the description. YouTube's copyright claim system has been repeatedly abused for bogus takedown requests, and Bungie has had enough. They've had enough, man. Uh, Torrent Freak reports the game, off, uh, and also, too, Torrent Freak, one, I've never heard of the publication, sure, you know, I, I, I'm sure they do great work, but the fact that you have torrents in your name, and that's, you know, kind of an illegal activity, and I, I'm just saying the balls, man. The balls. <laughs> there goes Simity Sam walking around here. Uh, Torrent Freak reports the game studio has sued 10 anonymous people for allegedly leveling false digital millennial copyright act. That's the DMCA claims uh, against a host of Destiny 2 creators on YouTube and even Bungie itself. The company said the culprits took advantage of a, quote, hole in YouTube's DMCA security that let anyone claim to represent a rights holder, effectively letting, quote, any person anywhere misuse the system to suit their own ends. According to Bungie, the perpetrators created a Gmail account in mid-March that was intended to mimic the developer's copyright partner, CSC. Uh, they then issued DMCA takedown notices while falsely claiming to represent Bungie and even tried to fool creators with another account that insisted the first was fraudulent. YouTube did not notice. <laughs> I just, I don't know why, but like, metaphorically, I just imagine that being like the fucking clip of Sting taking off the Sting mask to reveal he's just Sting. Like, <laughs> we covered our tracks with ourselves. Um, YouTube didn't take notice to the fake credentials and slapped video pro uh, producers with copyright strikes, even forcing users to remove videos if they wanted to avoid bans. YouTube removed the strikes, uh, suspended, or removed the strikes, suspended the Gmail accounts, and otherwise let creators recover, but not before Bungie struggled with what it called a, quote, circular loop of support. The firm said it only broke the cycle by having its global finance director email key Google personnel and Google still, quote, would not share info to identity or er, identify the fraud fraudsters. Bungie hoped a DMCA subpoena and other measures would help uh, identify the attackers and punish them, including damages that could reach $150,000 for each false takedown notice. Uh, and they... Engadget did ask for a comment, and at the original point of this article, they didn't get it, but uh, there is an update that we that they've got. Quote, we take abuse of our copyright claim takedown process seriously and terminate tens of thousands of accounts every year for violating our policies, which prohibits submitting false information in a takedown request, a YouTube spokesperson told Engadget over email. We'll continue to work to prevent abuse of our systems, and we've committed to taking appropriate action against those who knowingly misuse our tools. Um, the lawsuit also too, uh, won't force YouTube to reform its DMCA system, but Bungie is clearly hoping this will add, uh, this will add some pressure as it is. The company believes the fake takedown request did lasting damage by creating quote, chilling effects for destiny's YouTube stars who were afraid to post new vi videos and damaging the community at large. So just as we kind of wrap up the show, Mike, I, I wanted to at least get your thoughts on this because I think this is complicated on both sides to say the least but um and it kind of once again shows you the problems with the dmca like the issues that we're facing with dmca in general that these content creators obviously who aren't necessarily making money off of they're not making money off of music or anything like that that is used in there they're just simply having that involved in their streams and whatnot 
just kind of showing how ridiculous it can be at times and kind of opening up some, you know, clearly showing some of the holes that can be used on that. But just kind of want to get your take on this, your two cents on this before we wrap up the show on just how just how fucking wild it is to be a streamer even right now, like given all yeah. this shit. It's it's to the point where like even when I stream, even though it's been few and far between lately, unfortunately, I, I just play DMCA music. Like if you're yeah. gonna go out of your day to gum DMCA strike me, I got three to go. Fucking get me twice and then I'll buckle down. But if you wanna come get me, come get me. I don't give a shit. Because it's to the point where <laughs> Big like whoop, wanna fight about it? <laughs> this is kinda what people were really like people were complaining about this and at least saying like this is what was going to happen with DMCA. Um, this is why in the United States of America, I'm sorry if you're international listener, then you don't quite, you might not quite grasp how things work here. You think we eat Big Macs for every meal and shoot each other with guns constantly. And uh, I mean, I mean, those aren't false to like, those you know, aren't technically false, yeah, but you know, <laughs> Um, no, like, this is why certain laws don't get passed. This is why certain parties of political people fight tooth and nail to prevent things from being passed, even though the common man might say, man, that just that just makes total sense. Why would <laughs> a, why would something ever be? Why would this not be legal? Right. And then. You hear a politician say, well, then you start bending the rules and you start going from if you make this legal, then all of a sudden people can bend the rules. And now all of a sudden this other thing that you had no idea would even be possible is now legal mm -hmm. because people will bend the rules. And then you as a citizen are like, but that's not what it's meant. That's not how it's supposed to be. But when you have an analytical mind or some, or if you're familiar with the laws at all, if you're familiar with how scummy politics are at all, because there's a lot of people that walk around the United States of America in the world, but specifically in America that pay no attention to politics. They pay no attention to the law and they just think this is right. This is wrong. That's how it should be. But when you actually get into the muck and the mud of like what actually happens in politics, it makes total sense mm -hmm. that you start bending things to kind of fit what you fit your mold. Right. Right. It's like, they take thousand piece puzzles and you have like two pieces left and you, you like you, you just, or you have this piece and you just fucking force it and mm -hmm. you just break the piece and you're like, well, it goes there now. That's <laughs> what people do with the law and with politics here is they just break stuff or they bend stuff to make it fit what they want it to. Mm -hmm. And that's, this is just like typical DMCA bullshit where when I saw it, it like start to come out. I thought on one hand, it does make a lot of sense. There are content creators uh, you know, I like Metallica as a band, but they pretty much ruined media from when they sued Napster. Mm -hmm. I didn't think that people should be able to download their music for free. Right. But now all of a sudden, like. Look at Spotify, people barely make any money off of it, yeah. and I only pay a little bit a month for Spotify premium. Yeah, but hey, if you don't want your stuff on Spotify, don't list it there and then I won't listen to it. That's your choice. <laughs> you can make some money off of me or you can make no money off of me. Right. But if you're on Spotify, I'm not going to listen to you. Um, but this all is just such a crazy situation to be in as content creators. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm not a big content creator, so I don't have to worry about DMC DM DMCA strikes constantly, but there's ways to get around getting DMCA strikes for music. You can, run other programs in the background that prevent your VO your VODs on 
on Twitch from being uploaded with them. You can put your VODs behind a paywall like I did. Mm-hmm. There's ways to get around it. But, like, it's just so crazy that this went from trying to prevent music and TV shows or movies from being shown on stream to now this is where we get to people abusing systems Mm -hmm. and it's a tale as old as time. That's how I've gotten banned on league of legends is you get mass reported and the system's faulty and it's just a bot that just triggers a ban for you. Yeah. And it's the same exact situation here and Bungie is actually kind of big dick for this because like, it's it's negatively affecting their content creators, which is negatively negatively affecting their game because people won't want to create content for their game. Right. And if people don't want to create content for that game, people aren't playing their game. And if people aren't creating content for their game, people might not get exposed to their game, so they might not give their game a chance. Do you see how it snowballs out of control right. so yeah. quickly? And it's and it, 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 it's, it's so more cool so, by Bungie, right? And it's it's and that's what I was gonna say. Where it is, it's great to have kind of like it's great to have a big player like this kind of speak up and say like, no, we're going to actually pursue this shit. And not from the sense of like, Oh, like we're wanting money out of this. We're wanting money out of X, Y, and Z. No, it's, it seems like it's more of a, like, no, we want to set an example because we want to show how the system is broken right now, how this system does not work that. Yes, there, there is a problem with, you know, people illegally you know some there's a very small 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 percentage of people out there who are making financial gains of significant amounts off of you know people illegally from you know creative entities or whatever they're using a system that system to try to catch those people on the 99 and it doesn't work that way and they're kind of using this to highlight hey the system's more broke than anything you know tongue-in-cheek way you know and and i appreciate that because if not we wouldn't hear about this shit we wouldn't you know it'd just be another fucking thing and we think oh you know bungie's being assholes about it and yada yada and it's like no it's these people who are spamming it to just get back it's almost like a very very obviously the example I'm going to say is much worse than that and could lead to much worse consequences, you know, like life and death in, you know, some ways, but like it's, it's just people trying to get at streamers, like almost like they do with swatting. Like Mm -hmm. they're just trying to make life difficult for streamers who do this just to piss them off and give them a reason not to, you know, do this because they either liked when they played one game and now they play destiny or they do X, Y, and Z, or they don't want them to do this, or they just don't like their content and they just are trolls and they want to piss people off. And they're just trying to, you know, beat the system kind of thing. And it's just, it's really, it's just, it just shows you how broken the system is that there needs to be something better. And if we can't get something better, then we need to look at this on a much more micro level than macro because it's hurting the macro portion of this much more than the micro portion is hurting the actual pro like hurting the people who are being affected by this. So I don't know, man, shit just sucks. You know, everything, everything's just fucking complicated anymore. Nobody can do shit. And it just sucks. Anyways, though, Mike, I think that's going to do it for episode this week. So why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internet? Talk about all we talked about. Talk about E3 naturally. It seems like that is like a once a year topic again that we fall to. Bungie and everything going on with that. Where can people find you talk about video games and all we talked about today on the internet? You can find me at uh, Twitch at MP underscore Toy Soldier. 
Or you can find me where the bluebird sings. There we go. T O I S X L D I E R. That's Toy Soldier, and the second O is an X. Shout out Adam Marsh. Yeah, shout out to Adam Marsh. He ain't dead. He just ain't here. Um, and as always, I'm your host Travis White, aka Travelus, on most internet platforms, including at Travelus underscore on Twitter. That's T R A V L E S S underscore. You can also find me streaming time to time on Twitch.tv slash Travelus underscore, same as Twitter. And if you want to play some games with me over on Xbox Live or any other platform, really. Just look for regular old Travelist. That's C-R-A-V-L-E-S-S. We'll play some games. And this, ladies and gentlemen, has been your newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversations around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So... Be sure to subscribe to us, raise and review us wherever you get a podcast at. And if we're not on the platform you like to use, let me know. I'll get us on there. And follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything we are in the show, video games like and our dope giveaways. I like when I do the pregnant pauses. Just as, I'm hoping I'm reaching out to that like one person in the car who like is driving through a shitty service area and they're like, fuck, wait, did it go out? Did it go out? Like, oh shit, never mind. No, he's just dicking around on me, you know? What can I say? I got to pull one over. I got a mic. You know, I got it. Um, but with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for episode this week. Thank you everyone so much for listening, sharing, and being a part of our growing community. Game on. Wash your hands. Listen to the doctors. Black Lives Matter. And we will see you next week.